Welcome to Zap to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you don't know and you've not listened before, this is a podcast where we talk about games that were released for the Commodore 64, whilst also taking a brief look at what was going on in UK music, film and TV back in the 1980s. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. Um, in this episode, we're going to be looking at the games reviewed in issue 6 of Zap64, which was the very dry, mild and fairly sunny month of October 1985. Graham, tell us what we can expect in this episode. At the heart of this past the parcel present, Monty on the Run and Note of Yes are two cracking games. Wrapped in kind of Super Zaxony, Speed Kingy, Shoot 'em Up Voltron-y paper. Not so good. And of course, with the background soundtrack of Jennifer Rush. What else could we possibly have crammed in here? Not much. Sounds good. So, our first game this month is uh, seminal for a few reasons. This is a really big uh, barnstormer of a title, I think, for one reason over everything else. Um, And that game is Monty on the Run. Okay, so this came out this month. Uh, It got a sizzler. Um, And just to state, this is not a cover game. Um, The reason this isn't, you know, normally we start off with a game that was on the cover... Um, we haven't done this month because uh, the cover is dedicated to the game Wizardry, which is not actually reviewed in this issue. There's just a preview of it. So make of that what you will. So, uh, it's a decent Oliver Frey cover, you know, very Wizardry-like. There's some spell stuff going on and a, someone leaning back and magical, the wizard magical. and stuff. And, yeah, there's lots of, lots of effects and stuff and it's fantastical. But hey-ho, it's not Monty on the Run. Uh, we're going to talk about that instead. So enough of the cover. Bah. The thing with Monty on the Run is it's very easy to say it's another one of those. Um, and we've spoken about these for a lot, you know, flick screen collectathons. Okay, and we have. We've spoken a lot of them, the platformer type, Jet Set Willy's types, which this is more in the, in the, in the roots of, you know, and, and that's where this kind of comes from. However, I think we're starting to see programmers get a bit better with the Commodore 64. They're getting a bit more useful use out of it. Um, and so in that respect, this is kind of superior to most for quite a few reasons, in my, in my opinion. It's really well presented from the get-go. There's a nice title screen, which is nice. It's got a really, really nice demo-type big scrolling message across the top. And it, and it looks bright, and it's nice, and it's welcoming. And I'm not going to talk about the obvious thing just yet. We'll get to that. But for anyone that knows Monty on the run, will know what that is. But this game is kind of unusual in, in its um, the way it actually wants you to play, or the way what you've got to do in it because from the get-go on the title screen you have a you have to choose five objects um because monty is on the run from the police um and you've got to you know make your way through many screens of perilous platforming action with you know weird objects things like that it's typical manic minor jet set type thing but you need to pick five objects from the get-go and the thing is here you pick the wrong objects and there's no there's a number of objects i can't remember what they are but there's like a rope and a mask or a disguise and all kinds of things you pick the wrong ones and you ain't going to finish the game um so that's tough that's tough from the get-go isn't it yeah yeah that's that's like you know so here's five things out of ten. Pick the five, pick the right five right things with no clues, nothing. It's kind of just you've got to go into it and you know 
So this is, you know, forcing you to replay it because there's no way in hell you're going to pick the right from the get-go. It's just not going to happen. And really, that should give you a sense of the difficulty on display here because that's the other thing about Monty on the Road. Bloody hard. You know, it's really, really tricky because it's fast. Um, it's really fast. It's for one of these games, and I'm, what was the one we reviewed the other month? It's uh, Brian Bloodaxe. No, everything never, never say those words. <laughs> where everything would slow when so anything slow. more than like three or four sprites appeared on screen and each screen speed was dependent on how many bad guys were on it. That's never a good way to design your game. But this doesn't. This keeps up a constant pace. It's fast. It's responsive. Everybody's been to the school of impossible mission this issue because this is not the first game we'll talk about where the hero does somersaults. It seems that somersaulting was uh, du rigueur. Um, backing uh, this period of time so you know Impossible Mission had started to influence quite a lot of things yeah and it's really hard as nails but the, the good thing is you know because it's fast because it's responsive generally if you die it's your fault you, you didn't jump at the right time or you one of the stompy things stomped down on you or whatever it, it's, it's good it's fast and it's bright it's colourful it's got that usual typical this kind of platformy sense of weirdness but in, in a good sense all the weird objects that go around the big nosy bonk thing the ghost everything they're, they're bright they're colourful you know, it does at times, you know, you can see its spectrum roots, should we say, um, you know, with a single color sprites and things like that. But they look nice. And this feels like a nice, fast platformer. And obviously, we're going to talk about one element of it, and I think I'll come in a minute, sort of things. But before we do that, what did you think? Of Monty on the Run? Yes. No, no, no. Obviously. Of, uh, of a completely Brian, different game. Of, of, yeah. of, of Brian, Brian Blood Axe. What did you Brian, think of Brian Blood Axe? Brian Blood Axe was crap. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way. Uh, yeah, it was. And continues to be and will remain so forever. <laughs> Monty on the Run. Look, I'll confess, I, I I don't like these kind of games. I don't. Um, but I've, and I've made no secret of that. They're all kind of the same surrealist type idea. Mm-hmm. Manic Miner, Jet Set Willy, all of them are kind of, they're all a bit weird. However, if you're going to do it, and we've said this before with other games of this type, if you're going to do it, do it right, do it well, do it good. So... Make the graphics good, make it fast, make it playable, make it impossible, which this one kind of is, I think, in a difficult way, but (laughs) make it so that you want to come back playing it. And in all fairness, this one manages to pull it off. So I actually quite like Monty on the Run. It is the only Monty game I like. That's true, yeah. And it's by and far the best one of the lot. And that would mean that when I mean that, I mean it's the best one on any platform and it's the best one out of all of the series of the games. I'm not going to mention one of the obvious reasons why people are drawn to it, but you're right. There is a nice big graphic vibe to this. The graphics are quite nice and high res. It plays really well. If this, if you put a different character in there, you've got almost a variant of a, of a Mario game, really, with those kind of mm-hmm. stompers and hazards and things happening. So it sort of predates, I don't know if it predates it, but it's kind of around the same sort of idea. So it's all pretty good. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed playing it. I just find, like, with all of these games, it's just incredibly hard, incredibly difficult. And that, unfortunately, means that it's, for me, the longevity isn't, well, it's not going to go on forever and ever. I'm not going to be able, you know, I, I, I find these games infuriating after a certain amount of time. Especially with this particular one, you controlling it is it's all left and right and jumping around is fine but why somersault it just it gets annoying yeah. after a while and i'm tired of somersaulting in games in way that explain yes yeah. somersaults in this game somersaults impossible missions somersaults and it's just i'm some why am i somersaulting in so many games if i want to get on a platform i'm pretty sure i'd just climb on it somersaulting is the least likely thing i would do even if i was a mole but uh-huh. anyway long and the short of it is nice fun game very controllable very good and it is it does move at a pace and it's the pace which i really like but, yeah, yeah and i think it's my vote uh, yeah it is it's it's let's not beat around the bus sort of thing and I think if you take that one element away that we're kind of avoided right now sort of thing I don't think this would be quite as enjoyable but we haven't actually spoken really about that thing that you know we kind of need to so um, it's got one hell of a soundtrack hasn't it yes I think it's safe to say that Rob Hubbard outdid himself with this particular piece of music well I say outdid himself I think he set a benchmark 
um, mm-hmm. because um, he'd done music for the games, and we've talked about that music for the games. Uh, Confusion was a Rob Hubbard score, Action Biker, whatever that game was called. We never did decide. Really. Um, so, but this one, this one <laughs> seems to have seems just I think is where um, it's an actual proper piece of music composed for the game. So someone sat and taken time to describe the game, and I suspect Rob Hubbard's gone right. This, if it's this kind of game, it needs this kind of music, and I think. I would, I would argue the music is more or less perfect for this kind of game. It's not repetitive. It's not a tiny little loop of something that drives you literally crazy, a la Manic Minor or Jessica Willie. Um, it's an actual mm-hmm. fully-fledged piece of music. It even continues when you're playing the game, although the game, of course, has sound effects, which knock out one of the channels. So, and, and it really drives the game on at a pace. And I think when you're playing the game, it makes it more fun. It makes it kind of you know, more, more manic. It makes it feel like you're on the run a bit more. And because of that, I think it really suits the game. Even the high score music is really good in this game. Even when you die and you get that little sort of fanfare everything has been considered and for the first time mm-hmm. the game had a proper a proper score and the and the sound chip of the commodore 64 the sid chip was being flexed a bit like we saw with uh, with um where the exploding fist where that game mm-hmm. graphically all of a sudden it just you saw the commodore 64 flex its muscles here audio in terms of audio it just went it just flexed and it, oh boy did it make this game really good i mean uh, an average yeah. game it's, it's an above average game but it's you know and it is good at this type of thing but add that music to it and wow you've got something extra special uh, absolutely yeah it drives it drives this game along and this game would be really would just be probably another one of those although a bit faster and maybe a bit more playable if it wasn't for that soundtrack and i think over the last is it like three three issues we had like thing on a spring then we had chariots of fire um you know so no it's the chariots of fire chariots of fire in hypersports that's right yeah um and we kind of got this back and forth between you know musicians who mm. have come to this you know come to the c64 and are almost trying to one-up each other you can sort of you can feel this like oh that's good right and you know it, it felt you know sort of like a you know a, a musical competition was kind of going on and then we got, you know, with Monty on the run. And, and as you say, even the, the death knell tune, that high score tune is beautiful. Something I would just leave on loop for ages. Mm. Um, and and, and it's, it's, fan, it's fabulous. And, it, it, you know, we have to discuss it. We, we, <laughs> you have to, don't you? It's just, it's the real start, this is. Um, I think, t- you know, t- Thing on a Spring kicks it off. Hypersports takes it to another level. And now and now we're, we're there. We're, we're at, you know, peak peak Sid. I don't know if you want to call it, but and from here on in, it's just like every month for the next few months, I think we're going to get something special from an, you know, an audio standpoint. I think there's not maybe probably I can't I can't remember, but there's just loads and loads and loads of good stuff to come uh, musically, uh, which you know is, is one of the things that this machine is known for. Yep, um, and it's one of the things I was sort of looking forward to getting to and, and actually listening mm. to these things again and going, yeah, it's really good. That, I mean, that's that's Monty on the Run. It is another one of those. It's a fast, well, well-paced, mm. really, really difficult one of those. It is, but tough. it's lifted. And it's lifted hugely by that that soundtrack. I mean, um, and it is right to call it a score, a soundtrack. This is a proper, uh, you know, a proper audio accompaniment to the action. Well, that's what sets it apart for me. The game itself, like I said, the, the graphics are good on this game. Don't get me wrong; they are. They're really well drawn. And com- if you compare mm. it to the other games of this type, and I'm not going to even say BB, the BB game. <laughs> but um, if you compare it to the games of this time, the graphics are way better. So, it, And it stands to reason that you've got great graphics, you've got polish. The game's polished. We've said this before. The game's polished and it, and it sets about doing the thing. It does very well. That's all great. The soundtrack is just you know the, the final piece that makes it you know a, super, a, a really supersonic game. It's really, really good. And I tell you what, having not played Monty on the Run for quite a number of years, and I mean quite a long time, 
to come back to it, you really realise how important the game music is in that game. When you haven't, because mm-hmm. yes. I've listened to it decontextualised. I've listened to Monty on the Run soundtrack and the music. I must have listened to that Sid on different players of different times at different by different people so many times over the years. It's unreal. But in context of that game. At that time, when it first starts and the big scrolly message and the Monty on the run and all of that, I think it's brilliant. And, you know, it works hand in hand with the game. I have to say, it's the bigger of great things for the Commodore 64 in terms of its music. But let's say, uh, well, well, there may also be some misfires along the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> There's always misfires. <laughs> Not everything's perfect. So, yeah, so we like Monty on the run. Yes. If only, you know, go and listen to that bloody soundtrack. Yeah, go and do it. There we go, Monty on the run. So let's move on. our next game and this is one that i believe was something you liked um back in the day i think you mentioned that you were a bit of a fan of this and this is speed king yes i was i had before i start about my revisiting of this game speed king is a motorbike racing game think pole position on motorbikes principally really it so you you select your racer you select your bike and then you can race you can practice you could do all that stuff on different tracks that's kind of the game and the aim of the game of course is is to to win the race Fairly straightforward game logic. So you know that when you're playing this game, it's going to have some limitations, okay? The track is going to be, it's going to play a bit like a pole position game. So it's going to have a track that's kind of bendy and wobbly, but okay, you get over that. It's a bit pit stop two-y in that respect. The main problem I had with this on revisiting it was I originally really liked this game. I used to play it for quite some time. I think because I got it for maybe one ninety nine or cheap because it was I got I think there was two versions released at some point anyway so I had a cheaper version of it which made it feel a bit more value for money. Um, it is an enjoyable motorbike racing game in the same way that Pit Stop Two is an enjoyable car racing game in the same way it's not an exact simulation it is what it is however this game has an issue which i didn't realize and that is that it becomes impossible to not hit other motorbikes when you're riding at speed <laughs> i mean there's some really clever ideas in this game the way you change gears on the motorbike is clever because you push up and down on your controller to change the change the joist change the speed of the of the motorbike during the gears so you can quickly whiz up and down the gears as you go around the track which makes it sort of you know so you're not just playing that sort of one two gear game that you get in pole position where if you go into the second gear and hit a bend you're going to blow up for no really blow up for any reason in that game and this one <laughs> it's all great if you if you're the only motorbike on that road you can go 200 mile an hour no problem as soon as you see any motorbikes coming towards you you are dead meat no matter what spin unless you slow down <laughs> to a full stop you are dead so you need to think quite tactically so you need to think right you do have to use those gears in this game and you do have to play it that way in order to you can't just buzz your way around the track and hope not to hit something because you're going to die and you're going to hit something and you're going to blow up there's no way around it so you do have to use the gears but even by using the gears to slow down and try and be tactical if you try and overtake those motorbikes chances are it ain't gonna happen because you're gonna hit one and that for me that became a real blocker um on this revisit so my fond childhood memories of playing speaking and be- racing around on my motorbike and by the way I, d- I have no affinity for motorbike racing whatsoever although i do acknowledge that it was dangerous and i did meet um that really famous motorbiker once i can't remember his name now because that's how important it was to me but what's his name Martin, Martin Sheen? Sheen, yeah. Did, Ma- not, is it Martin, is it Martin Sheen? Sheen? But, but Barry was Sheen, the not Martin Sheen. <laughs> Barry Sheen. Oh, not Martin Sheen. No, he's a... <laughs> it's that Mr. Sheen. <laughs> it's that guy with the crazy hair. Yeah, bit... <laughs> Mr. Sheen, he had a very, very uh, polished bike. <laughs> that was what you were going to say then. Uh, yes. Uh, it wasn't Martin Sheen. It was Barry Sheen. Yes. And thank you. Oh, no, not Charlie it, Sheen. It could have been Martin Sheen for the difference. Because it's a Sheen. One of the Sheens. Barry, spray can. Anyway, one of them. Um, so suffice to say, uh, I had no affinity for motorbike games, but I did enjoy it at the time, but a little. I must have been better at it than I am. Maybe my hand-eye coordination's just aged or something. 
But I could not get past motorbikes in this. I kept hitting them, which I believe is probably counterproductive when you're trying to win a race. But, you know, call me old-fashioned and all that. What do you think? Did you play it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah I am um, absolutely. I, I'm glad to hear all that from you, Tilton, because I thought I was I thought I was just rubbish at this, but um, I was exactly the same. Solid, I put solid, but very, very hard bike racing sim thing. It's got nice visuals and a good track, good sense of speed and decent controls with gears. As you say, that's all good. But, and this is the issue sort of thing, it's not that the it's impossible to it. It's that the other riders are just way too twitchy. Yes. They're like, yes, yes. flip or cr- flip. And that's the problem sort of thing. It's, it's all right to, you go around a corner or something like that, and there's other riders on the thing, on the track. That's fine. But there's other riders that just want to just pile across into you sort of thing in, a, in a, mm. like three frames. And you've got no, it, you, you don't have enough, there's not enough responsiveness in the control. No. And the bike doesn't have um, any weight, and, does it? It's just not like there's weight and gravity no. in the bikes. They kind of float around like feathers in the wind. Yeah. I mean, it's good that there's like 20 other racers on the on the track. And, you know, there's a there's a nice sense to all this. But, yeah, it, it, it really is let down by the fact of like those other ra- riders sort of thing. Might be better with just 10 on maybe sort of thing so that they could have been a bit less twitchy. I think there's too, you know, it's probably trying to push too much maybe for the old, yeah. you know, that, that processor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so therefore, you know, there, there would have been not been so twitchy. I think that's the problem. And it used to, it annoyed the crap out of me as well when if you did get into the park and you had to slow down or whatever, they would just go through you with a with a beep, with, you know, with a beep of the horn <laughs> yeah. um, beep, beep. rather than crashing into the back of you. <laughs> it's like, hang on a minute, you're the only one that can crash, yeah. um, which was frustrating. Yeah. And I think that this was so this was released um you know at full price 995 you are correct there was a mastertronic re-release i think the following year which was pretty much it's exactly the same game they just changed the colors on the title screen and then charged 199 for it and i think at 199 I would be a lot more forgiving of this mm. because I think, you know, I, I seem to remember playing this quite a bit in the day. So I think it was very close to, I think it predates, you know, things like Super Hang On. Yes, in yes, the arcade it does, yeah. And things like that. Um, so it predates things like that. And this is, you know, for, for the time, this is a pretty decent racing sim. But yeah, I, I can't get past the twitchiness of the other riders. No, I agree. Um, and that, that, but I would still put this up. For, for one of, you know, this is actually all right sort of thing. This is still nowhere near as bad as the Rude Awakening I had with Richard Petty's Talladega. <laughs> Nothing would prepare you for that. <laughs> the game where you can only no. turn left. Um, and I'll tell you, the other thing I noticed with this, well, as a f- sort of a final farewell as we speed away from Speed King, was uh-huh. um, that the when you're zooming towards things, I mean, can you imagine in reality, if you're zooming down a motorway in a motorbike and then you see a motorbike in the distance and then a second later, it's a blocky mass three feet <laughs> for your motorbike. And that's kind of happens in this. They go from being distant to being really close to you almost instantly so they've either got mm-hmm. teleportation devices or they just could have just with a few could have done with a little bit more thought into the animation as you zoom towards them I know it's early yeah. days and graphics and everything but just you know so it doesn't feel quite so jumpy because you know, they kind of loom on you and then all of a sudden you you know you can't really avoid them that's what I found is like you say they they, they float around in the wind like feathers and as soon as you get near <laughs> them it's, it's now impossible I'm pretty sure that that's it's actually Speed King Brain Brackets Death Race version because they, they are trying to kill you if this was a Mad Max game you'd probably get away with it yeah yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. Mad, so, Mad Max King. Speed King was okay, I guess. But you know what? Uh, I revisited it and either I'm not very good at playing this game, which is likely, or they made it quite difficult, which is even more likely. So one night, Yeah, I think it's passable. Yeah, but at 995. No, no chance. Probably not. Um, it's still got, it got quite a decent review though, but I, w- I would say, you know, it's it, it's it's passable. Yes. Um, there you go. Passable. All right. So, 
What's up next? So up next is a sequel to a game I think we have discussed before in the mythical episode zero. Um, or did we do this in episode one? I cannot remember. Um, we've spoken about this at some point, but God knows where it was. Episode zero. Um, this, right. It was episode zero, so you won't have heard this yet. But um, anyway, Super Zaxxon. Uh, a Zaxxon so good it had to be called Super Zaxxon. Mm. Um, because that, that was the naming convention of the day, I oh, guess. Yeah, Everything was that. super, <clears throat> which led us to Super Mario Brothers and things like that. Yeah. Nintendo really, really really did that didn't they they like the word super on they everything do. in fact if you, go, if you if you go look at the list of games for the uh, NES or the SNES the t- numbers, number of supers in there is quite crazy especially on uh, the SNES which obviously Super Nintendo that's what it's called isn't it? yeah um, anyway so, so so Super Zaxxon <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, the, the, it doesn't bode well from the title screen where it's got 1984 on it. Um, <laughs> now we, we, I thought that. So, so we're in October 1985, and there's a game being released and being reviewed, which is 1984. So we're already ten months out. Uh, that's uh, that's you know at its best get. Now this the problem with this. I'm, I'm, before I talk about what the game is, sort of thing, actually let's, let's talk about the game. It's a, a left to right isometric scrolling shoot 'em up. So bottom left to top right, you pilot a shuttle type craft. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> of some description like a plane or a space shuttle or something like that and you shoot things that come down this blue coloured highway landscape that's floating in space you get through this you, you have to shoot I always found this a bit weird sort of thing you have to shoot fuel tankers and then somehow this refuels you by some kind of weird space <laughs> osmosis <laughs> Which then allows you to keep going. You fly through beams which have handy gaps, which are which are plane shaped, which you can fit through, and you get through them. At some point, you then dive into a tunnel, the most boring tunnel since the Dartford tunnel. <laughs> um, and so you go through there, and then you get out the other end. You repeat this, and then at the end, a flame spitting dragon, peach dragon type. Chorlton and the Weedy type dragon thing appears and you have to shoot it in the head and then keep repeatedly shooting it in the head because I kept kept killing it and then it just reappeared and then I shot it again and then it reappeared and then I shot it again at this point I didn't know whether the game had crashed or what had happened uh, eventually I just gave up but that's the game so there you go That's don't go play Super Zaxxon because that's me telling you about it is more enjoyable than you go and playing it <laughs> um, it's not great so my point, my point with all this sort of thing, coming back to that 1984 thing, and we've seen this a little bit. We saw this with like Big Alley Ace, and we've seen this with a few games sort of thing that they were getting these American titles made a year or two before. Book Rogers was another one we, we've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, made in 1983, 1984, we had those crappy epic games, yeah. um, Starfire and Fire One, yeah. that are then brought that were brought over, and this was 9.95. This was you know top tier price. Um, that were then brought over to the UK repackaged and re-released and resold and and you know you're getting essentially year or two old games for full price and you you know you played it in the arcade you remember it i can't remember when super zaxxon came out in the arcade but we're talking a year or two obviously before the port would happen so this is old but you'd recognize the names you might go buy it and then you'd realize you just you know you had been sold a lemon and that's the point with this it's 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 dull it's look it's, it's a game out of time it, it's annoying even now sort of thing because when up against some of the better games that are coming out that were made specifically round about now this just feels like once again we've used this term time and time again it's just a cash grab coming off the back of you know the crash in america and everything like that they were just looking for places to shove out this software and the uk was a willing market and out and out this stuff came and it's frustratingly annoying even 35 years on i feel angry <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I can't recommend Super Zaxxon in any way, shape, or form. Did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Um, I can tell you why. Um, I agree with everything you've said, apart from anything else. So, um, the arcade was released in 1982. So, 
this is a another a another late conversion or it was converted and then someone sat on it for a while and thought never release that because it's rubbish and then someone went but you could make a quick book and they were like all right release it let's go um <laughs> i never liked it I've, i don't think i've ever seen it in the arcade if i did i probably would have avoided it i'm not a fan of isometric shoot 'em ups i'm not a fan of isometric shoot 'em ups that have really difficult to navigate walls in so this was kind of a loser loser lose lose for me just boring it's just boring yeah it lacks any mm-hmm. real speed there's no, not enough enemies to really tra- trouble you in any way. You end up fighting that stupid thing at the end, which I think is the Zaxxon. I think that's the monster. That's the Super Zaxxon. And I like oh, you, I it? just killed it and mm. it came back and it killed it and it came back and I killed it. And then when I finally beat it, it was back to the same kind of dodge the wall, shoot the thing. I didn't understand the counterproductive nature of blowing up my fuel to refuel myself. It seemed really odd. So... <laughs> I just thought it was boring. Really, a really dull, boring game. And, you know, a conversion of a really dull, boring game is not going to get any better if you take away even more of its graphics. It's just going to get more boring. So, boring. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, you know, it has that horrible isometric bug, which is which infuriates me, is that if you go to the top of the limit of your isometric ability in height, um, it means that you, there's parts of the screen you can't get to in the left-hand side So because it's on that kind of isometric runway. So if you move all the way over to the left, it's not actually all the way over to the left. It's it's You can't get there. So there's this kind of an area of play that you can't do. You can't explore the whole screen if, in the way I'd like to have anyway. It's just annoying. One more annoying nail in its dull coffin, really. So... <laughs> Um, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't super Zaxxon for me. It was a big super snooze, switch it off, boring. Put more enemies in it if you're going to make it exciting. Boring, boring game, boring. Yeah, that tunnel section is so dull. <laughs> why Why put a tunnel section in it? What's the point? It's just putting a roof know. on you, boring. Make your mouth to make your levels even more boring. Make them even more repetitive in the back terms of the background. Just make it more boring. Because it's floating in space. Well, you mean you've never been through a space tunnel? <laughs> well, you just fly around it. Well, you, you wouldn't choose it's, to go through the thing it. About, the thing about space is it's kind of open. It is. Well, <laughs> the, and the daft thing is, it's like there's less hazards in the tunnel than there is out of the tunnel. So mm-hmm. when you go into the tunnel, I was expecting it to be more walls or difficult to no, maybe some kind of challenge just to make it less boring. But all they did was just put nothing in a tunnel. I was like, oh, yeah. I, could, I could do that myself. I don't need to load this piece of nonsense up to do that. And if I wanted yeah. you know, just aimlessly flying around, avoiding walls and, and tunnels. Well, if you've ever driven around anywhere around London, you tend to do that a lot anyway. So no, dull, boring, boring, boring. That's my... Yeah, uh, super... Super boring. Super Zax off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not Zax on, Zax off. Yes. Zax off. Well said. Uh, yeah, I agree. As me Aggie as me Aggie San would say, Zax on. <laughs> super Zax, Zax off. Super Zax on. Super Zax on. You're Zax not off. Learn anything about karate, but you'll never you'll avoid that crappy game. Mr. Miyagi has spoken. Then, there you go. Don't play Super Zax off. <laughs> You've got me in the whole thought process about Mr. Miyagi arcade tips. <laughs> Just you know, I can imagine all these kids. Mr. Miyagi, I can't get to level four on Donkey Kong. You must learn to go down before you go up. Do you think they should have had Mr. Miyagi as Games Master instead of Patrick <laughs> McNeil? Yeah, it would have been. Patrick Moore, <laughs> sorry. Patrick McNeil would have been even better. <laughs> what a combination. <laughs> so Mr. Mr. Miyagi, sort of float, big floating Mr. Miyagi head. Oh, when you play Crystal Castles, you must rotate. Yes. Rotate off, rotate on. There you go. <laughs> that track ball. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do it, Mr. Miyagi, but it work. Crank it. <laughs> That's it. There is no defense for that. It's just anyone that just, you can't. If you're moaning too much, you get crane kicked out of the room. That's it. You're done. Oh, God. Mr. Miyagi video game tips. That should be done. And it's uh, way more interesting than Super Zax <laughs> yes, Off. Yes, it is. It is Super Zax Off. <laughs> Goodbye, Super right, Zax so, Off. Yeah, bye bye. Okay, so after that travesty, it doesn't get better. 
No. Uh, at least in my opinion, I don't know what you thought. No, it uh, doesn't. So it's, it's, a cheaper, it's a cheaper turd, but it's still um, whatever. And uh, the next game we look at is uh, Shoot 'em Up, not the film with, what's it, Clive Owen? Yes. What's his face? Wouldn't that have been uh, an but, interesting uh, but game? A, but, a, but a game that was, you know, 30 years before that, or 20 years before that, whenever Shoot 'em Up came up. Uh, so this is Shoot 'em Up. Graham, tell us about Shoot 'em Up. So if Cyphoid 9 had a child with Buck <laughs> Rogers, you would have <laughs> Shoot 'em Up. <laughs> Because it's, a, it's a, exactly it's a <laughs> crap combination of two crap games. So you get all of the crapness of a landscape zooming towards you in stroboscopic vision that makes your eyeballs itch, and all of the face-on shooting that we've seen before in games like Cyphoid Nine. So insert crap graphics floating about, trying to shoot them endlessly. Repeat, 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 with really weird classical music to open it up. Just strange. I thought it was rubbish. It was just crap. Crap, and the price for this is outrageous. This would be this would be bad value at one ninety nine. So for was it six ninety five for this? People it was yes. then. Awful, awful, awful. And uh, I have no further real thoughts on it. There's, there's not a lot to it. You know, you you are just shooting stuff endlessly, and it's that kind of it's that view that you hate, Ad. It's that it's that kind of face on view that we had with the uh, was it Star Force or one of those? They're one of those, oh, the, yeah. those classic epics to, to twin pack. No, oh, it's, it's, it's of that was... ilk, Cade. It's 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 of that ilk. It's the same exact problem, the same way. Only this one has stroboscopic scrolling, so it's meant to feel like you're zooming towards this thing in the distance. It doesn't know. It's just stripey, just really fast stripey yeah. things. And after a while, you find your eyes starting to twitch a bit because it starts. You know, you feel it. You feel your big blinks coming on. And these games just they 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 increase their difficulty by becoming more stroboscopic. I imagine eventually, just before you have a seizure, you probably want to turn it off. Either that, or you just go, no, this is this is like me. Like me, I just I was like, no, I've had enough of these rubbish games like that. No, 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 no. Are there any good ones? like no. that apart from that one beachhead bit or, or space, space area. Area, but even the conversion of space area when we get to that it's not what you call great um, so <laughs> no. I think that the, the problem with this sort of, there are good 3D into the game I mean but yeah we'll not come to one. them things like you know cos- cosmic I mean, that, was, that, that, that was my thought on it I thought it was just rubbish but what did you think pond scum yeah, yeah. Um, I always like to uh, I play these games and then I don't look at my notes I make my notes at the point when I um, play them sort of thing and I like to come back to them and read them and I kind of forget what I've written because we, we review quite a lot um, and I like to sort of get gain the tone of what I thought about this from my notes and I put, hated the title screen as well there's one comment in there mm. there's, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, I'm not happy with this game my first word is just awful I put the first level has you shoot in Sir Clive Sinclair yeah um, because the, the, it did look like Sir Clive Sinclair which is he's just his head repeatedly floating around yeah the second was some kind of ducks or something flying across. Yeah. The third was some ghosts. At that point, I gave up. Awful into the screen shooter, terrible visuals and controls and everything. Um, and I couldn't figure out, you have yeah, usable sort of supplies at the bottom, so you need to fuel, you need ammo, or you need shields or whatever. And across the bottom of the screen will float a fuel tank every now and again, and will float a missile. Yeah. You have to shoot these to restock your fuel or restock your ammo, and that's fine. That's, you know, that's not a bad mechanic. I quite like that. Except, problem is, when... So you you go you got your crosshair on screen and you start scrolling it left and right when you when a missile comes across the bottom and you start moving down towards it it speeds up mm. and moves away from you it moves away faster than you can catch it up yep. therefore you waste bullets trying to shoot it which is the whole point of trying to shoot the missile because you need bullets and then when I did try and shoot one I didn't get any bullets anyway this is a, a really uh, you know an, an awful everything it's just it's not worth anyone's time it's frustrating it makes no sense it's you know it's it, I couldn't tell why I was getting shot at points I couldn't tell what I was shooting sometimes my bullets would hit sometimes they wouldn't uh, yeah. you know 
I despair. I wonder why we do this sometimes. Yeah, I despair. <laughs> I despair. One of those games. Yeah, I just, you know, I had flashbacks. I start getting flashbacks when I'm playing these games. So, you know, I'm sat there thinking, I've seen, not only have I seen this before, but I, I'm having the same nightmares uh, because they're just mostly uncontrollable. If they're not uncontrollable, they make no sense. If they don't make any sense, then they're just, the visuals are so bizarre to, to the least. Like you say, you've got, it, I think it was human faces floated about. I'm, I just, anyway, it doesn't really matter what they were. You know, you've got a sense of direction, I suppose. That's the best you can say about this game. But it's one of those games that had good instructions um, because that's all you could really say about it. Great instructions. Uh, You knew exactly what you needed to do. I'm not sure you did. I tried to follow the instructions as best I could and it made no sense. But what can you do? No. No, shoot them up is not good. No. Shoot them down. Yeah, switch it off. All right, so that's it. So four games, uh, a good one lifted by music, a a decent bike game and then two crap shoot. So let's move on. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at music in October 1985, so stay with us. All right, welcome back. So, music. Music in October 1985. Let's have a look at what was going on in the pop charts in the UK. So, we've done something wrong this month because we were punished. Because number one single all month (laughs) was The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. Power band. Now, I like The Power of Love by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yes. And my favourite band is Rush. So, but you put them two together in this format and it's just all bad. Um, (laughs) This was everywhere, wasn't it? Everywhere. Ubiquitous. It was like rain in the bloody UK. Everywhere you went, you heard this song. Dirgy, you know, just, it is what it is, right? It's um, it's one of those big power ballads, and yet the, what there was two or three songs around that time, similar titles, "The Power of Love" by, like you say, Frankie Goes Old, simply much better than this rubbish. And Absolutely. also, um, isn't there the didn't Huey Lewis in the news have something similar? Oh, the power, yeah. That's the power of love. Yes, exactly. So they, yeah, so they had power. So there was a, there was a power of love off. <laughs> Sorry, for some reason, okay, for some reason, the UK Jennifer Rush was popular. I just remember, I just remember it being everywhere. I think, I, I think, you know, I think my mum might have bought that. So. It was a mum's song. Yeah, um, yeah. one of one of our friends uh, who I, you know, I used to hang around with at this point in time, sort of thing. His mum played this religiously every time I was around there. It was like, oh. Tell her to turn it off, please. Yeah, it's got that kind of, you know, sort of very powerful female it, it singer vibe, that, right? Yeah, it reminds me of that, um, what was it, Barbara Dickinson, Elaine Page one? Oh, I know him from so chess. well. Yeah, from the musical Chess. Yeah. She's crap, by the way. Just going to put that out there. But there you oh, go. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We hate it. It's yeah, not rubbish. about chess at all, um, just so you know. It's no, nothing about it. I think that would be better <laughs> if it was a musical about the game of chess. You know, I am the king and you are the queen and all that kind of thing. You know, rights itself. It's not about angry <laughs> that women. That move is illegal. You can't move. The night that way. <laughs> pass the bishop. Pass the bishop. <laughs> anyway, I don't know you'd pass oh, the bishop. We're castling but... now. We're castling now. <laughs> That's my little chess knowledge exp- completely explored. <laughs> to, I don't know from the names to, of the fancy moves. To be fair, the, the slow the slow one would be called en passant. <laughs> so that would be the slow game. But yeah, just derivative, mushy, gushy. You know, I, I it's. It, who was Jennifer Rush anyway? Where the hell did she come from? And more importantly, where did she go? It took about I one don't, hit I don't know. You know, she came, she you know, spat this song all over the UK for a month and then just ran off. I suspect yeah. very rich at the end of it. But there you go. Probably, she could sing. No disrespect to the woman. She could definitely sing and hit all the right notes, just not the notes I enjoyed. <laughs> but there you go. No, no, we don't like Power of It's a bad... No. Uh, it, it, I'm not saying it's a bad song. It's just 
not for us, is it? No, you know. it was a bit of a. Wasn't there a time when these kind of things just there was a few of them one after another? But I yeah. might be getting this mixed up with when Celine Dion released seemingly endless amounts of power ballads. And <laughs> I think that was a, I think that was a bit it, later. Wasn't Bonnie Tyler around this time with uh, totally clips of the ass? Don't don't not don't not Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Don't put They're Bonnie the Tyler same. in the same category as Jennifer could, Rush. They power note each other. So Jennifer Rush and, <laughs> and Bonnie Tyler have a power note off. So who can hold the note the most powerful and the longest? And then that guy from, oh, uh, what's his name? Bill Withers or whatever comes along and just holds a note for two years continuously. You know now. when you said that from somewhere in my head, I, was, I thought the guy from right said Fred for some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I'd like to I often think about see yeah, that guy. Richard sing, Fairbrass. That, yeah, Richard Fairbrass <laughs> sings The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I am your lady. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to do it but no, don't, uh, anyway don't no more, no more, more there's no more bizarre impersonations no right that's the power of love it's number one all month and we right. had to live through that we survived um, it though thank god and there was nothing you know this isn't like you just go to Spotify and listen to someone else it was just everywhere on everything yep it was uh, right so our number one albums uh, we've spoken about a couple of these before so we'll move on but the number one albums were four I think one each month each week uh, we had Like a Virgin from Madonna good you know Great, great album. Hounds of Love from Kate Bush. Excellent. Good. Uh, we had uh, Love Songs from George Benson. Greasy Junior. Real greasy. <laughs> I know. I know absolutely <laughs> nothing about Love Songs from George Benson. I couldn't tell you a single thing. And I didn't even go look at any information for this podcast because I was like, I don't want to know. I don't care. It was just a number one album that I have no interest in spoiling my brain with. No. Um, no, no, so no. he was number one. However, the one that came after that was uh, Once Upon a Time by Simple Minds. Mm. Um, were you a Simple Minds fan? No, I wasn't at the time. I've come to like one or two of their songs in the time since, but they seem to be a band that is, I won't say misunderstood because that's wrong, but they always seem to be, people seem to parody them a lot for that one big song that they had, obviously. And yet they've actually got quite a lot of good songs aside from the, that one that everyone knows. I'm not even going to say it, but... I, I put um, Simple Minds. I, to me, Simple Minds are one of those, that those mid-80s songs, mid-80s bands, sorry, that saw in the era of the, the bland bands mm. that we had a lo- we had loads of in the late 80s. Things like Curiosity Killed a Cat and Johnny Hates Jazz yeah. um, and Fine Young Cannibals. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Deacon yeah. Blues. Yeah. This, you know, you had, you had some of these early on them. Simple Minds, I always put in that bracket. Yeah. They're just, uh, just a bit bland. They had two good songs, Alive and Kick It, which will come out this year. And obviously, Don't You Forget About Me. But even then, they didn't want to release Don't You Forget About Me. And they were, you know, it wasn't really? their song. That's correct, yeah, of course. From, from, what I, from what I understand, I don't believe it was their song. They had and a they stupid logo as well, it. didn't they, Simple Minds, where they took the <laughs> I and merged it into the M. So it was Smipple Moons, it looked like, if you looked at the logo. <laughs> If you go back and look at the Simple Minds logo, it looks like Smippleman's because they, the I forms the first part of the M and the first part of the N in mind. So it looks like Smippleman's. Smippleman's. Yep. I'll have a look at that. Do. Um, I do. do. Go logo hunting and you'll see. You'll see what I mean. Oh, the life I lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, you know what? Uh-huh. If you were a Simple Minds fan and he was walking around with that T-shirt on, people are going to look at you and go, I wonder why he's got Smippleman's written on his T-shirt. <laughs> Smipplemans. Maybe it's because is he that, is of did, a simple mind. But, they, um, oh, maybe. Do maybe. they make sweet? Uh, Smipples. <laughs> Smipplemans. Get a Smipplemans. They, <laughs> they sound like there should be some uh, German German sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Smipplemans made in Germany. <laughs> From yogurt. Yo- 
<laughs> Your accents get no better. No, well, I'm, not, I'm trying not to do deliberately stereotypical accents by simply not doing them very well at all. It's, uh, it's a good that's, thing, I that's think. That's very good thing. So, yeah, all Simple right, Minds. So okay. Yeah. Simple Minds. Simple Minds will come up again because the singles we're looking at, we had a, a rash of... Uh, singles on the first uh, Monday of the month, or the first whatever it is of the month, the 6th of October, <clears throat> we had Alive and Kicking from Simple Mind in at number 12. Um, obviously on the back of, you know, that coming out of the album would have been a big, big, you know, big double whammy, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I imagine Alive and Kicking was, uh, you know, number one, number big single. Alive and Kicking is a good song. I do actually like that one. Is it from a um, film? So- is, is, is either of those from a film or something? I think, I think if you think of every 80s song that you like and that was pretty popular, I'm going to guarantee it's in a film from the mid-1980s. Yeah. Well, they all were. Every, every single one was. Or- yeah, all of them. Jenny John so Hughes probably like, that time, right? So. It probably is somewhere like in there. Right. We had Gambler from Madonna at number 20. Yeah, I don't even remember um, that. It's not. It's not a uh, Kenny Loggins cover. I don't think. Not Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Loggins is gambler. Gambler. <laughs> you don't have to sing it like that. Does he, does Kenny he sing that way? I don't remember. Him, I don't remember him singing like that. I remember, you know, but. Um, He's old now. Well, yeah, uh, old and clearly, <laughs> you know, bitonal by the sound of it. Clearly, clearly in need of some supplements for his bad yeah. throat. <laughs> yeah, get some supplements. Supplements. You need to, to cure your throat there. You need to be soon. Mr. Loggins, get some of these lozenges. Loggins lozenges. He missed out on a major branding opportunity there to brand his own lozenges, the Kenny Loggins lozenger. People would have bought them. Be footloose and throat fancy free. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> uh, we had the Miami Vice theme from oh, Jan people Hammer. People went mad for oh, that. Jan Hammer. Didn't they? They people did. went mad for it. it was um, that, do you remember well, the videos the, for it? Oh, my gosh. We had, there was a spate of these kind of uh, synthy tunes, weren't there, in the mid-80s coming yeah. from, you know, soundtrack. Because obviously we'd, we'd spoken before about Axel F, um, and now we've got Jan Hammer's Miami Vice theme. It was good, though, um, the Miami Vice theme. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of thing. Uh, a particular one for me, I've already mentioned them sort of thing, but the Big Money from Rush was released. Wow. Uh, number 51. This was off their Power Windows album. It was the first track on that. I'm not going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about this or Rush sort of thing. I could do, but I'm going to save us all that. In fact, <laughs> I will do, uh, and Graham can just edit it. I'm just going to make him listen to it. <laughs> um, but no, I won't do so, that. So sort of that thing. was so Big we... Money, that was thing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I agree so, with you. It's really I... good, yeah. Anyway, on to uh, the next one. <laughs> Uh, the next one, uh, a very popular tune from the mid '80s, still to this day, is "Road to Nowhere" from Talking Heads. I love that uh, track. Don't went do. in at number sixty-six. Yeah, it is a great tune, isn't it? Let's face it. Talking yeah. Heads were, were were fabulous. Yeah, you know, quirky, eclectic, unusual. Yeah. Uh, just a really, really interesting band that did quirky, interesting stuff. Unusual. The dwarfs nobody wanted. <laughs> We're, where's Quirty? Where's Qu- Quirty? The keyboard dwarf. <laughs> no one wants him. <laughs> what words can you write? I can do try or tray or root, root, root. <laughs> or yet. <laughs> but they, they really need Quirky, you're right. Um, but that yeah, wasn't actually their best song. Uh, and She Was was the best one by them. But that's a good one all the same. Number 66. I mean, it got higher than that, though, I think. Oh, it did, yeah. This is where I've just picked them up. All these were released on the same oh, day. So and then we had... Um, right. Yeah, so I've not, I've not tracked them. I don't care where they ended up, uh, honestly. Right. I thought this day was quite interesting for these singles that all, all came out the same it day. It is a mad old and then, we had, and then we had a good heart from Fergal Sharkey in number 72. <laughs> Old warble Sharky, <laughs> absolutely. But you know, was he under? He was the under. He was under. under it, under yes, it's, it's that's what's alarming about it. Really, is that he went yeah. from he went from teenage kicks to a good heart. These days, is hard to find, and you got to do the 
uh, kind of sounds. <laughs> I can't do it. But, though, the, so. but the thing is, again, Fergal Sharky turned into one of those bland, bland core stuff from the middle of the eighties. Did crazy, really? Okay, because you've got what's um, his name? Who's the guy? That, what's his name? Um, we'll come across him at some point. I can't remember his name, but uh, <laughs> this makes for this makes for good radio. It's good, it's, yeah, what's, what's his name? That guy. You know, I want to oh, say, him, I want to say what's Paul, thing? Paul, Paul Young. So Paul oh, Young, God, yeah. he was another one that came out with all this kind of you know this kind of stuff. And fe- you're right, they do feature in movies. Half of these, yeah. exception of probably Road to Nowhere and Rush. Um, uh, I'm sure Road to Nowhere is in a film. I'm pretty. I'm guaranteeing. I think it's in the Talking Heads film because he made a film, didn't he? So it's probably in that. Oh, he did, yes. Um, yeah. So that was a crazy day. That's the sixth, and that was the only day I really sort of found anything of note for October. But that's mm. a that's a big series of releases for one one thing or another. Yeah. Um, but obviously, all overshadowed by the power of love. Yep. Um, albums, albums. Did we have any good albums? Well, uh, Midjour uh, on the thirteenth of October, we had a few, we had a few albums released. Uh, the Gift by Midjour. So we've spoken about Midjour. We we've sort of conceded we're not particularly big no. fans. And I see his name looks like he's got the letters joined together when he ain't. <laughs> No. <laughs> so simple moons, simple moons, and moons and midjour could all be the same band because they've probably got some kind of vowel deficiency going on at that time. If you have a sore throat, then you need simple moons. <laughs> but if you need to clear the guitar from out of your nose, then you need to then you need to use our stronger brand, midjour. <laughs> midjour, <laughs> midjour. Bless so him. If you say it all as one word, then midjour. you can you know it'd be midjour. Is it mid? Is it um, midge? Or, or you are, how is that surname actually said? Is that Midjour? Midjour. Yeah. Is that a stage name or is that, is he from although, uh, Czechoslovakia or something? And he's Scottish. Well, that explains his name then. <laughs> <laughs> They're a Scottish band, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, Ultramox. Yeah, Midge. Ultramox are Scottish. He must be short for something. Probably short for Jonathan. <laughs> There's an obvious joke there, but I want to say it. Um, <laughs> Love Songs by George Benson. Uh, was a, a straight was came in at number five on this uh, you know and then the following week went to number one. What was going on? He must. Those, um, are, some, those are some love songs. Absolutely, you know. Anyway, but more importantly to me, um, and I will talk about this. I, I don't know if you're a big fan, uh, but Suzanne Vega released her honest debut album, Suzanne Vega, and it went in at number sixty-three um, on the thirteenth October. Uh, now I am a huge fan of Suzanne Vega, uh, always have been, and that first album is a particular favourite of hers. It's a beautiful, beautiful album. Uh, a lot of it's quite a cappella, um, really stripped back and laid laid bare sort of thing. And it's just she's got a really good way with lyrics, and I, I'm a huge fan. If you got, if I'm going to recommend an album, go listen to it. Go listen to Suzanne Vega. Because uh, she's really good. Are you, were you ever a fan? Do you like her? She's all right. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> she's certainly a, one of the one of the, the sort of solo female artists that you could rely on to produce some really good stuff. I can't always. I actually, honestly, can't say I've listened to a lot of Suzanne Vega output. So, but the stuff I've heard, as long as with all the cliche stuff everyone's heard, like Tom's Down and stuff, but the other stuff that I've heard, I've never disliked a Suzanne, Suzanne Vega track. In a similar way to whenever I've heard, I haven't heard everything by Kate Bush, but the stuff I've heard is pretty good. Yeah, um, so, said, yeah. You know, they occupy a certain space and Suzanne Vega seems to sort of occupy that kind of, you know, um, solely but sort of folky kind of mixture and there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff going on in there. Um, and it's always better than Enya, which I suppose is kind of the, if you go <laughs> oh, to the Jesus. end of that awful rainbow, you get, uh, well, if you start, with, you start one side get of the track. Get back, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, you know, at least Suzanne Vega sings in words and not just in sort of, you know, uh, adjective sounds. Um, 
So, um, but I think the, I think the sadness with Suzanne Vega is that uh, there is some brilliance in there. I have to say, the sadness is that she became famous for a song which is probably not the best one that she ever did. So, you know, the world will remember her for Tom's Diner, yeah, which second album, yeah, which isn't the greatest song Suzanne Vega ever did. I think she would probably be the first person to say that, especially if you compare it to some of the other tracks that are out there. So that said, geniuses can't pick their best moments, can they? No, I mean, if you've not listened to much of her sort of thing, and this is a recommendation to do something, go go listen to the first album. It's not that long. It's, you know, it's quite short. It's 10 tracks. It's nice and compact. None of the tracks today out there welcome. It's quite folky and laid back sort of thing, but there's some some amazing tracks on there like Marlene on the Wall, Queen of the Soldier, A Small Blue Thing. It's a, it's a stunning it's a stunning album sort of thing because for, I think I heard this when I was about 14, 15, and for a 14, 15-year-old me, this was a very unusual album to sort of gravitate towards and, and, and I just loved it and I've loved it ever since. I think it's a brilliant yeah, piece. She's um, got, got one of those really lovely voices though, hasn't she? she she's got that kind yeah. of really softly spoken, singy voice. Really nice and, and totally different vibe but you know when you when you do hear a, a really good vocalist like that singing in that kind of gentle sort of tonal way you know it's just some of the tracks she sings do send sort of shivers down his spine because of that I think you know it's, yeah. it's a kind of a magic about it and like you say L- Luke, really Luca is another one you probably know yes yeah I was going to say there's some that people everyone remembers those ones and has heard those probably yeah. and yet there's a lot more you know songs out there that perhaps are less famous but actually a lot better I'm sure oh, I, a lot, I, lot I have not yeah. explored the entirety of Suzanne Vega's back catalogue um, no it's good so it's good something I, I would like it. to do I think I might have to do that so there you go that's me waxing lyrical about Suzanne Vega um, and you know not about Rush or George uh, Benson so, <clears throat> well you know I could have done about George Benson but that sentence is going to go nowhere <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can, I can, find, I can find a sample of George Benson and just put it in there where he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet he does. I bet that's like the entire album. Hot <laughs> loving. Oh, yeah. Why, why do you think he sounds like Barry White? I don't know. Just, he's got a name like George Benson. I bet he doesn't. I bet he's one of those kind you know, it's a warbly singers. And to be fair, his album is called Love Song, so I'm not expecting, like, power ballad. Now, I'm going to have to look it up and find a George Benson song anyway and see what <laughs> oh, it's like. don't do it. All right, do it, do it a bit. Right, there we go. That's the music. So that's music for October 1985. Some good stuff, but we were tortured by Jennifer, Jennifer Rush with The Power of Love. Welcome back. Um, that was music. Let's move back to games. So our first game for this section is the highest rated game uh, in this issue of Zap. There is no gold medal. Uh, this came close with 95%. And that game is Nodes of Yesod. So Graham, what, what what did you think to Nodes of Yesod? Nodes of Yesod is quite an interesting game. Let's just give you a quick rundown because there's a little bit of stuff to do in this. And you'll guess what kind of game it is as I explain it. No doubt about that. So you play Charlie Fotherington Groons in this game you, you do yes you do uh, uh, astronaut extraordinaire and you're on the on the moon surface the idea of the game is you've got a lot of caverns below the moon surface you've got to retrieve eight, eight alchiems I believe they're called or alchimed alchiems jewels gems anyway which look a bit like crystals and in order to find a monolith very 2001 monolith and then that's the end of the game you, you win in the context of the game you have to then sort of go find a little mole creature that you can help to chew through walls and things once you've got that you can explore the various caves and there's all sorts of uh, monsters 
monsters and creatures in sound there. Some of them don't necessarily kill you because um, there's two kinds. It's kind of harmful or dead killer and non-killer, I guess. Um, and the killer ones kind of um, zap your strength and eventually you kind of lose your strength. And the other ones can sort of send you bouncing around, which make it difficult to navigate the terrain because, you, as I say, in this game, you've got a bit of moon gravity so you can jump a bit higher and you can jump in takes a bit longer and you can do kind of sort of somersaulty forward rolly type jumps onto things. So the game is essentially explore the caves, climb the platforms, find the gems, find the monolith, out you go. Boom. Now, there are also a little, as an aside, there are characters in there that can take your alchems off you. I think it's possibly the most annoying game mechanic ever invented. So, because these <laughs> alchems are actually hard to get, they're in gnarly places. And so, you've got to navigate in this game, and I'll come to this in a minute. Navigating this game is a pain in the ass. So, when you do finally get a gem, it's kind of a celebratory moment, only to then get tapped by one of these muggy astronaut things. They look a bit like an astronaut with a kind of a jetpack on. But when they touch you, they, they totally steal one of your alchems, meaning you've got to go and find it again. If that doesn't de- define this game of being a pain in the backside, I don't know what it is. So, graphically, quite nice to look at. Main sprite, really well-defined, really nice. This is made by, um, uh, what they're called? Um, Odin. Odin Computer Graphics Team. Remember, the Sinclair mm. Spectrum version has had speech. So the so this was perhaps a game where the Sinclair Spectrum version was a little bit better, maybe, than the Commodore 64. But the long and the short of it was that you wandered around the various caves, jumping on the little platforms, getting the, getting the gems, avoiding the monsters, etc etc a couple of problems with the game so firstly the jump mechanic is a bit weird and it can get because it's flick screen it can get really really annoying if you're trying to because some of the platforms you need to jump off screen to jump back on screen to sort of so you've got to remember where the things were on the previous screen because you've got to kind of jump the platforms if you fall too far you just t- bizarrely turn into like a skeleton and die you know, you've got a certain amount of lives mm-hmm. so um so you can't fall too far even though it's moon gravity which means you it doesn't matter. Let's just elide all of the rules. Um, <laughs> so you've got to try and navigate your way. And navigating your way around those various hazards, which is mainly just platforms and things to not bump into and stuff, can get really tiresome when you're trying to think about where things are in context of the previous screen you were on. And I found that that started to really get on my nerves after a while because I found that I was jumping where I didn't want to go. I kept falling off platforms uncontrollably, which was really, really annoying. I did manage to get four of the uh, Alkiems and then I got one taken off me, which made me scream an expletive so loud. Pigeons <laughs> attacked each other I'm pretty sure of that <laughs> I just found that it, as a game it, there was a lot of good game in there kind of trapped in some controls that just felt a little bit clunky the look and feel of the game was nice and it had kind of a weird peaceful but kind of doomy feel but not doom as in the video game doom I mean doom as in there's kind of a sort of a weird sense of sort of doom about the game it feels a bit bleak and I think it's because it's quite sparse and because there's just platforms and stuff and it's a moon lander moon sort of caves but we said it way back in episode one I think maybe even episode zero about games in caves well there's a game gaming caves and so is it good it's definitely playable and i think if you persevered with it you could probably get a lot out of it you might be able to master that control system in the end and get more out of it and i did get better at it but i still found that you know thinking two or three screens about where the platforms were became quite tiresome and as soon as i started getting mugged by these creatures that stole my alchems well it was like getting uh, when you lose something on ebay you know that kind of glove slap anger that you get when you, you know when you're outbid at the last second on ebay i got that kind of anger out of this so i had to turn it off before then you know it was uh, for me it was the nose of yes odd or the yeses of nose odd but either way um i found it just a little bit graphically great orally not there's not much to write home about but it's okay it's, it's nothing bad about the game design other than that control system and the flick screeniness of it so it just becomes clunky but other than that it was okay it's kind of sizzler material though definitely not gold what do you think i I remember playing this um a fair bit back when it when it came out um i never really got into it i could never quite click with it i don't know if i just didn't know what i was doing i think i think you're right there's there's a certain type of atmosphere to it that's a bit it's a bit 
slower than normal so it's got a you know a pace to it that isn't your you're sprinting running around it's not mm. certainly not your you know you might on the run type space this is a more a, a more sedate should we say and that, you know that fits because you're on the moon so things don't move very fast on the moon um and it's a like we said it's another one of those go around flick screen thing but um i i agree completely with that control comments the comments you made about the controls it it feels weird sort of thing because when you first jump you're thinking that platform is too high and i can't get on top of it and when you roll onto it for the first time you think that's quite nice that's really that's a really Mm. nice little thing because you kind of roll up and onto it the problem with it sort of thing is a lot of the time the platforms are too narrow for you to actually to finish the roll and you just roll off the other side yeah um so then you have to then trigger that usually that might take you into some monsters um that might take you into uh one of the killable monsters that's walking along the floor which can range from a big slow to a kind of weird yak type um, alf something looked like alf was wandering around there was a chicken type thing there was slugs yeah. there was all kinds of weird stuff and, and that, that was quite annoying because there was one bit where there was flames there was one bit where I just got bounced between two creatures and then bounced yeah. off screen and killed and yeah. it's like I, could, I couldn't do anything I could do nothing to sort of write this and I was like I, I don't mind dying when it's my fault I hate dying when the game is, you know, it's a problem with the game by putting two enemies in a certain way that should have been playtested and sorted. Oh, if you you fall there, you hit there, you're going to die. Let's move the enemies apart so that won't happen or not put one there. Because it's quite early in the game, this. This is, you know, it's not welcoming. I like the concept. I like, you know, grabbing the mole. I thought it was quite interesting then bringing the mole out when you're on the ground and using him to sort of kill off the creatures and then allowing you to explore. What I didn't like was that, as you said, having to jump off screen to then jump back on screen but going off screen and coming back on screen would respawn the spawning enemies yeah was really frustrating after i killed them all off i felt that was just like oh i'll do that again there are so those kind of issues bugged the hell out of me it was like what i said previously about entombed mm. um you know these constantly respawning stuff this would have been much better again if it was just those creatures rambling about just the ones that killed you not the spawning stuff yeah they don't add anything to the game because you can kill them with your mole quite quickly and quite easily they're not a challenge they don't do anything. And when you do flow into them, they just, you go through them and you, you may lose some health. But this, 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 that's not the challenge of this. The challenge should have been creatures moving around that you had to avoid. I like the exploration part. I like using your mole to dig through walls. And when you figure that out and you get some sort of deeper the deeper caverns and there's a nice sort of visual change with the caverns um, and the rocks and all that kind of stuff and there's some nice bits. There's a bit where I just, did you fall down the really long, uh, really long hole? And he was pinwheeling yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm going to die. And then he yeah. didn't die. But then falling down a much short space, and you turn yeah. into a skeleton. Yeah, there's kind of the incongruities like that. I couldn't quite figure out. I didn't really know what the uh, the gravity sticks were for. Um, <laughs> no, no. I would plant, I would plant one every now and again, and every now and again I would sit down, but I couldn't quite figure out why. Yeah. Something about getting your health back or something. I don't know. I didn't know whether I was triggering that somehow, or there's a, there is a lot to like this, and it's kind of an, like an early Metroid style game in its feel. Um, you know, going so around caverns. Odd. It has an odd vibe about it, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, so, you know, around this time, sort of thing, 1980, when was the first Metroid game? Was it 88? That was around about, around about this time. You know, maybe this year, the year after sort of thing. So your first Metroid game on the NES. And it is a similar sort of style in, not in the fact that you're getting your power-ups and things like that and, and going through, but the way you're exploring stuff and digging through holes, so like Metroid's bombs and you're blowing blowing holes in the walls to get your morph balls through and things like that. There is some similarities in, in that these kind of things were, were being developed sort of at the same kind of time it's visually very nice the animation is very nice but again it's like that thing you know it's gone to the impossible impossible mission school of um you know uh jumping for, for some reason i don't i don't know why why would you somersault on the moon the whole point is there's very little gravity did you ever see neil armstrong somersault they just bounded around you know and i'm doing it on camera now so you can see but <laughs> um, yeah, they just they bounded, you know, they, bounded. They, yeah, they, they could have but they didn't 
I imagine bounding around in that kind of suit would be annoying. Well, I'm still mystified why a space mole would be, wouldn't would actually have any of the effects of gravity, but you do. So, but there you go. What do I know? Well, you know, it's acclimatised it's, itself. It's a game, isn't it? It's, got it's, just, very, it's, it's got, just for laughs. Got, it's got very, very hollow bones. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I can see why they liked it. It is a really good example of this kind of flip screen, what they called an aardvark, uh, you know, an arcade adventure. I, I did like the music. I have to say the in-game music as it burbled along in the background was was moody and pleasant. And I, I get what you're saying about there's some sort of, you know, a, a quite moribund, quite morose feel to the whole thing, which is unusual. We've said this about very few games that sort of do actually create an atmosphere. And this does manage to pull that off. And, and that's quite good. But yeah, I think... You know, there is a sim. There is a sequel in their arc of Yesod. Yes, I don't know is. whether that actually does does things better or not, but uh, yeah, it's more of that, the same. I think. I think. I think so. But hopefully, maybe they've sort of learned from that that flick screen on, flick screen off, mm. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi style um, <laughs> t- type type thing again. Which hopefully that they get better at. But that that for me was the, the the killer because I couldn't. I didn't feel like I was always in control, and that that no. bugged the hell out of me. No. Um, and it's a bit of a killer for something in a game like this. But if you do put the time and effort in. If you do learn to sort of climatize to that, I think there's a lot to like here. And I think you could get quite a lot out of this game. Was there any purpose in that game for the standing jump? Because you could standing jump quite high, but you couldn't actually move when you stood standing jump. So, and you can't, because if you try and standing jump underneath the platform, you hit it, so you can't go anywhere. So I'm, I'm guessing there must be things to reach for later in the game or something. I never found any reason to have that, but there you go. The only thing I could think of sort of thing was if you're on a, if you're on a platform near the top of the screen to maybe jump up and see what was on the next screen without, yeah, without maybe, you know, yeah. fear so, of like moving. So you could jump into your up, memory. Yeah. see what was on there and which way you had to go. Yeah, and then you drop back. Down yeah, well, of course, respawn your enemies. That goes without saying. Yeah, um, but that's the that's the only reason I can think of it. It's it's good. It is good. You will get something out of this if you do play it. I think. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, you, you do fight those controls. Yeah, I, I, I played it for a while. I have to say, I stuck at it for a bit. I wanted to. It, it was a game that, like you, I never got into it originally. I had a friend who had the say, a friend who had the think uh, Spectrum version, and he raved about it. He was absolutely well into it. You know, so mm. come around to my house and play. Note of yes, I do. You've got to see this game. It's amazing. It's got speech. It's got this. It's got that. It's got. This. And you know, it really sold it to me. And when I got there, I was like. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's, all right, you know, as long as you can plug your spectrum into a tape recorder and make the sound come out of it, something won't sound like. But it's know. not a spectator game. It's not one for a spectator. No, no, this game. It was just he was just because just, the graphics were quite. The graphics are quite good. Yeah, um, they are. But for a Commodore sixty four, probably not that good because they're not that colourful. It kind of it does look look a little bit like a spectrum game on a Commodore sixty four without the colour clash or anything. I get that, but that I, kind of high resy <laughs> sprightiness about it, and you know, it's got that. Yeah, kind of there vibe. is that. I do think you know we we spoke about in in. No, episode one, we spoke about Turner Nog, which was clearly just, you know, straight spectrum visuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, and everyone's a Wally, it was, you know, straight spectrum visuals. This did have, especially when you got to the more crystally cave, yeah. that def- that definitely looked a lot better. And I think that so some time and effort had gone into make mm. the use of the extra colours and the extra stuff that the, the Commodore yeah, 64 do. it was nice, yeah. But yeah, that, the main sprite, you know, suffers from, it's just a, a high-res single-colour sprite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I just, like I say, I, uh, I, it was never a game that really... I, I wasn't going to be running to the shops when I read that Note of Yesod was coming out in a similar way to when I heard that Last Ninja was coming out or something like that. You know, these these, these streets apart in terms of the appeal it had to me. I'm just not a nodi. That's what they call Note of Yesod fans, apparently. <laughs> nodis. Nodis. Yeah, nodis. nodis. I'm not a nodi. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 D. Uh, but yeah, play it. It's good. It is good. You will probably get some out, but the controls will fight you. Yes, they will. Yes, yeah, so that was noted. Yes, odd. Let's move on. We've got uh, three more games in this section. 
Um, obviously, no, Tadiasa is the best of them. It was the best in the thing, and we, we probably agree, actually. Our next game <coughs> is Rocket Roger. Not an order, but... <laughs> so this is a... What was the game on the BBC where you were flying around with Citadel or Repton or something or neither of those. <laughs> Which was there was a, there was one where you were there was one where you were a character from the side and you were fl- flying around. I can't remember. No, Repton was the sort of weird creature, bug creature, one yeah, sort of thing. Citadel, Citadel was not. a little guy wandering was, around the Citadel. There, there was one where you you would fly. Basically, this is essentially what this is. It's like something like you control a guy like thrust like who has a, a jetpack, and that jetpack is his only way of moving. Well, you can walk left and right sort of thing, but don't, uh, because this is the most explosive man in the history of anything, <laughs> who, upon touching an incline, will just explode into pieces. So don't touch any inclines at all. So you play the titular Rocket Roger, um, and you must traverse caverns picking up glowing things. That's it. Um, you know you use your jetpack to thrust yourself along uh, thrust yourself up and try and land on the you know on on flat land because should you land on anything that's greater than two degrees you're dead and you don't want that you just explode and an example of this is the game starts you off you slide down a slide and there's you walk forward a little bit and there's a just a bit of an incline in front it's like a a small hillock that's not as tall as you but as soon as you touch it you explode I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why you would make these choices when making a game. So it's it, it's quite unpleasant and it's quite annoying. It's you know it's it's, it's a thruster type game. It's you know it's the gravitar is it gravitar thrust that kind of thing yeah. where you you know you've got physics and you're thrusting upwards to try and keep yourself afloat and trying to control it by moving left and right while you're thrusting upwards and oh, instead of say thrusting upwards. What <laughs> I've not really not got much to say about this. It's rudimentary visuals, sound. It's just you know it's disappointing i was surprised this got 82 percent in the magazine because i would don't know what was going on here because this this just felt to me like a another a bit of a throwback like an, an attempt at doing something but with some pretty obvious flaws that made traversing and playing this game more painful than it really should have been i don't know whether you you got more out of it than me i don't know did you no I have to say I kind of got the same vibe. Let me just say, by the way, that this game's got a really nice typeface in it. Now I, I'm a big, f- <laughs> now, I'm a big fan of game typefaces. You know, as well, you know. And I, I do have a book of arcade typefaces and game typefaces and stuff. I'm well into that. So this has got a great typeface. Just want to say that aside, I thought the game was a bit too explosy, explodey. I can't if you walk, walk a bit, explode. You, you fly, try and fly, explode. You try and shoot something, shoot something, explode. And I just found out, found that just the controls were just meant the game was unenjoyable, and I, I felt like it had a lot of game to offer as well. Because if you get over the sort of terrain, if you can get that far, you can actually go into the bowels of the planet and and this like sort of all sorts of other stuff going underneath there. So there's doubtless, you know, there's there's tons of stuff to do. And in this oddly, in a similar way to Note of Yesod, you've got to fly around collecting stuff, right? So you've got to collect these rocks, gems, whatever they are, fuel things, in order to My actually get enough fuel for your spaceship to get off the planet. That's the plan to escape. So there's over 30, is it 30 zones, it says in the blurb of this, there's 30 zones to explore, which means there's just 30, 29 things you're not going to see, actually. You're never <laughs> yeah. going to get really off zone one. I don't I don't think I got that far into it before I was just running out of lives at a rate of knots. And I just, I find my perseverance is lacking for games that just arbitrarily kill me all the time. I'm like, just, you know, you've got to, you've got to spend time in a game to get good at it and that means not dying every time you do anything because it just becomes frustrating and endless after that and you think you know what i'm just going to switch this off because i'm tired of running into the tiniest little rock detail and exploding or dying or whatever and no it just you know graphically it was all right but just i just found games that where you die lots and lots and lots and lots and lots before you even get anywhere you're either going to have to persevere with it and get better or you're going to switch it off like i did and go eh so i found it just a 
bit tedious is the word I would use for that. Tedious. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, I can't recommend this in any way, shape, or form. It just no. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get on with it, and, and, and maybe there is more game there, and maybe back in the day you would have been a bit more, you know, a bit more leeway with it, and you'd, you know, you'd play it and you'd get to those later stages. But now, no, I, I, I see what you say about the typeface. Bottom heavy is that typeface, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice typeface. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's clearly someone's clearly made their own typeface, and I, I. Um, wholeheartedly approve of that so yeah so it's got it's kind of a squishy vibe and and uh it's good i know i i do approve of that everything else is a little bit you know and the half game the screen on, is taken up with the typeface as well by the way most the game on the bbc i was trying to remember was exile right not one i've heard of really yeah that was the one if you look at screenshots of exile you'll go oh it's a it's a jetpack man floating around flying around caverns <laughs> yeah sounds similar that was the one i was trying to think of um but yeah the, i can't recommend this i can't I, I, I wouldn't say you could play it. No. no, and you'd need to, because you can, if you if you find the safe spots in the game, you can, it's almost sort of, when you die, you start from the safe spot, you don't start right from the beginning again. But they're few and far between, at least I couldn't find that many of them. I think I found one by accident more than anything else. So, like you say, I'd avoid it. I'd, if you're going to, you know, don't play a game where you die this much. You know, it's just because it gets dull very quickly to do that. Yeah. Reminding me of that uh, other stupid game we played, Whirly Nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, take out Rocket Roger, stick in Whirly Nerd. Same sort of idea. At least, in, at least with Whirly Nerd, you could sort of float a little. This <laughs> one, you, you kind of—it's got that horrible hovery, you know, hover weight where you push the, you know, you, you fly him up with his jetpack and then he's already dropping down to the ground and you've got to kind of, you know, it's got that Flappy Bird kind of yeah. me- or methodology Airwolf, about it. it or Airwolf. Yeah, then there's two characters you're never going to find in the same space: Airwolf versus <laughs> Flappy Bird. You know, that'd be the episode. Of- for Airwolf they never made but um, I, yeah, I don't so think it's going to win well for it's not going to win well for the Flappy Bird it's going to go in the rotors he'd outmanoeuvre that Airwolf <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent can't handle that kind of gravity even with those cheekbones <laughs> not with me tapping the screen it wouldn't <laughs> that was terrible okay. so yeah Rocket Roger don't, don't play don't, it let's move just on go, move let's on. move on leave it alone yeah uh-huh. just walk away <laughs> go full Mad Max yeah. in it <laughs> just save me some gasoline. <laughs> I just need gasoline just go- for my jetpack. You're so selfish not sharing the gasoline. Walk away. Uh, uh, stop it. Good old Humongous. Humongous is good for laughs, isn't he? Is yeah, it a good laugh? Absolutely. Mr. Mongus. Lord Humongous. Good old Lord. G- game tips from Lord Humongous. Just walk away. Is he? Is it? Is it one word or is it two? Is it Hugh? Mongus. His name's not Hugh Mongus. <laughs> Although it should be now. So, Mr. Mongus, I presume. Hugh. Call me Hugh, please. Okay. Okay. It's just, it's, you are a large guy. I figured it's, you know, yeah, a very exactly. big guy and you out. For some reason, just, you're just dressed in hockey mask and pants. That's, this is a business meeting for good, good to say, Mr. Mr. Mongus. <laughs> Mad Max has nothing to do with Rocket Roger. Let's no, move but it, on. it was more interesting. Mad- <laughs> it is more interesting. Walk away. Uh, just walk away. Uh, yes. And on that, yes. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. What's up next? We've got a cheapie up next because the new ones have been full price. Over to you, Graham. Tell us. Tell us all about Vortron. Yeah, well, I get. I, did I pick the short straws or what? <laughs> no, you got no to yes on. Yeah, true. So Vortron. Um, okay. Um, I think. 
I think the thing in the middle is a planet. Uh, it's basically from you, you bounce around for some reason. It's kind of a shoot 'em up, and you you bouncing around the screen, shooting at things where there's a kind of ball under the screen. I th- I think it's a planet. I think and there's, you're sort of flying towards the planet. I think I think that's meant to be kind of a Mad Planets, the arcade Mad Planets kind of vibe, sort mm-hmm. of that uh, crazy comets kind of vibe that comes later. So I think it's a, there's a, there's some kind of hint of that. I think so. And that was it. Kind of shoot the things, shoot the things because you sort of form out of four blobs when you first start the game and they kind of piece themselves together so you shooting those things you're flying around and it's kind of just shoot mad shooting at stuff but i don't understand why your your character bounces so you can stay still but if you move it starts bouncing around there's bullets flying everywhere and enemies flying everywhere and the bouncing just got so stupid annoyingly and pointless that it just became you know the is the aim to survive this i don't know so i just got so annoyed with it i was like no no more of this Games that have no point with controls that are stupid, with an idea that's bound in kind of crazy ways. Somebody obviously took a whole bag full of mushrooms, scoffed them intently, and they said, you know, it'll be a great game. Let's just have something, all this stuff moving and no point to it really. Just shoot anything. And in the end, you end up with this piece of rubbish. And I, and I just got frustrated with it in about two seconds and switched the damn thing off. Awful. How about you? Do you like it? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Best game no. I've ever played. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's gone straight to my top list. Uh, no, it was awful. Uh, my notes, you know, it's always good just to go back to your notes again. And it just says, what the hell is this? It feels like an idea that went through no playtesting as being only able to fire into the centre of the screen whilst enemies scroll downwards is both frustrating and yeah. counterintuitive. It's like two different games pushed to one. It's like you should be able to shoot upwards, but no, you shoot into the screen. So this there's this kind of pseudo 3D-ish, you know, but the, the enemies are just scrolling on a flat plate. Yeah. So essentially my brain was like, I don't get this sort of thing. I wrote a destitute man's crazy comments. Was my, I said, it looks rubbish too, and I have no idea what I have no idea what the sprites are because the things that are scrolling down don't appear to bear any, any relation to the thing that you control, which is what yeah. should be happening on a game like this. Correct. But in this... They scroll down on a flat plane from the from from the top, as if you're playing a vertical shooter map. Something like you know Galaxians or Space Invaders or any other kind of you know vertical Black Hawk or uh, Trap or whatever. So you can't mix these two viewpoints because as they're scrolling down from the top, you have to wait until they've come down a certain distance to get round behind them to shoot them, yes. which is stupid. Yep, so made no sense. It didn't. It's a mash. It's a mash of two things. The two shoot them up genres that don't go together in any way shape or form so i don't i didn't get it i did even you know this is 2.99 i didn't get it i just couldn't get my head around the thought process of this it was, no, it was incomprehensible to me it, even at three quid i think you're pushing it really this was their alligator's budget range wasn't it so this was budgie there it was alligator's budget range and alligator by the way the same people that made shoot them up um obviously <sighs> not learning any lessons from you know from from that um, they produce this which just you know I get tired of these kind of games really quickly anyway but especially uh, yeah. when they make no sense whatsoever and they've got you know this kind of control system just nah not no, for me I, I, you know I've got time for a, you know into the screen centre screen sort of moving around the edge shoot them when it's fast paced and quick and you know pacey and it's a nice you know, nice pace but this is just I don't get it I don't, I don't get why someone would think you know I can only move skirt sprites downwards yeah don't do it then yeah and that that but when you die and it restarts there's that bit where you reform from the four pieces of whatever the hell it is um, and it just adds a pause to the game which makes it it just it just breaks it up in a way that yeah. like oh, I just fed up with this rubbish and also what the hell kind of name is Voltron well it's like, it's, it's like a crap 80s alien name isn't it Voltron it is, you know, that's a that is a, a crappy 80s sci-fi movie I bet somewhere it's called Voltron <laughs> probably no I just or maybe even earlier than that maybe it's you know I don't know yeah, it's got that sort of horrible 80s sci-fi vibe 
about it, and it everything about this is bad. We don't like this. Let's yes. move on. And 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 so yes. yeah, don't play Vortron. It is incomprehensible nonsense. Vortron. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the four, what would be better if this was the four trons um, who were like the who were like the four who were like the four tenors, <laughs> the four tops. Yeah, the four top, but the four trons. So they were like, no, I need them. Um, yeah, they're just four random computer programs who got together and formed a, some kind of sort of synth-based quartet called the four trons. Yeah, now that, be way now that would be that. That's essentially what you've described as craft work. Oh yeah, <laughs> they should have been called four trons. They probably are somewhere. Somewhere Maybe they're called it. four trons. No, we are. Maybe- Fortron, not Kraftwerk. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you all look the same to me, so, you know, synth bands all that at a time. <laughs> anyway, Vortron, crap. Yes. But our last... Oh, God, this is our last one. This is a bad section. Our last game in this episode, because there weren't... Just to say something, you may be thinking, why is there only eight, eight games? Because there weren't enough uh, games released um, in, in this episode. Um, and, and so there you go. And in this issue, so we're reviewing what's there. We, we, we don't want the best to. ones we're, to do. You know, we, <laughs> we don't want to. You know, <laughs> trust this me. This is what's I, there. If, if um, I didn't have to play Vortron, I wouldn't have. <laughs> no, but we had no choice. Uh, and we had no choice but to play this next one. Um, and when, when, when Graham says, did he get the short straw? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, because I am going to tell you about Mad Doctor. Um, and so Mad Doctor... This was full price, eight ninety five. I don't even know where to start with this one. This is it has a, it has some kind of narrative. It's it's based around Frankenstein. So you are some kind of mad doctor, and you've got to go around um, at this kind of castle-y type place thing in, in in this pseudo. It's like pseudo three D. Um, so the rooms are you know rendered into the screen, but when you walk, you don't get any bigger or smaller. So that three D effect is instantly nullified into some you know don't work so because there's no kind of perspective on your sprite your main sprite you walk around places you start off in a, in a room with a, a giant bed and, and a table with some objects on and a, and a command that says i am hungry um and context sensual if you, con- you know, con- context uh, sensitive prompts will come up when you go near places like eat stuff and you can move you can do stuff and then Every time, at some point sort of thing i think the game was trying to tell me something because quite repeatedly it would just go to quick game um <laughs> so uh i was like i'm trying not to because at some point we go look at picture so i was looking at a picture and you go from flick screen because of course it's flick screen you go from flick screen to flick screen trying to sort of wander around and eventually i, I made my way through some caves and i found some stuff i made my way through some caves and i found what looked like some zombies and then they killed me and i turned it off this is awful you know even zapping this they were being generous this Gave it, you know, gave it a bad review. This is a really bad. If I wanted to be very kind, this is some kind of early prototype, you know, Lucasfilm esque, where you know <laughs> you're solving puzzles by going around as context sensitive stuff and you're doing stuff. But you know, it's this awful, painful to play, painful to look at, with rudimentary visuals that are, are terrible. You know, the, the representation of the the areas of rubbish. There's no real sound to speak of. It's it's trying to do something different. It's trying to do that, but just it, it doesn't it doesn't reach anything that it's trying to trying to get it, it fails in every respect sort of thing and, and i couldn't I, I couldn't get anything from this whatsoever i thought this was truly bad um and i was glad to turn it off yeah you <laughs> did you like it no. Is this going to end on a high? <laughs> no, well, no, it's not. There are. I didn't like it. Um, for I agree with you completely for all the same reasons. However, there's there's some weirdness to this game. This game's really weird. It's odd. Yes, 
It is. So the idea that you can you have to dig up graves is weird in a game. The idea that you have to follow people around and stalk people and beat them up and then kidnap them for their body parts is kind of a bit gruesome. And the idea that you stitch this thing together, it, it's, there's a weirdness about this game. It's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Frank- Frankenstein, isn't it? I yeah, mean, it is. But it's just, but and you know, and it's just, but it's the idea of that you can you can you can even lock people up in your dungeon and, you, and sort of indefinitely and just pick them out later and use them later. It's weird. There's weird stuff about it. But it's just, an, it's an odd. It's a really I put it's an odd blend of horror, but with crazy ideas that don't quite work, and it doesn't have the graphical power and the inspirational ideas and its visuals to pull it off. So it's just dull. It doesn't have a lot of immediate fun or immediate payoff. There's a lot of wandering around, not great deal to look at or do it's a bit so it's just like like exactly as you've described it's just it's a bit of a snooze and i think the inside there somewhere there's a bit of a cult hit in the same way that sort of probably rocky horror picture show is yeah in the same yeah, sort yeah. of way that there's and, the, and i think if you persevered with it and you were willing to put up with some of that you might find there's a game in there that gets quite good in some ways i don't know i was never going to get to that point i can tell you because i was like bored within the first sort of six or seven screens the controls were really weird on, on on mine anyway on the version i was playing so there might have been an error with that but i managed to persevere and move around the various rooms but there's just you know it wasn't very interesting or exciting and nothing much happened there's no hook you need a hook on these kind of games to get you hooked in at the start, you know. And mm-hmm. Normally, that's kind of a, gives you an inclination of what you know what you're going to be doing for the rest of the game. It gives you a sort of a thing to go at or something, not just you know you're starting to wake up in a bedroom and it says you are hungry. Like, yeah, well, there's like, no titles, no title screen, was there or anything? No, you just kind of start. You know, you are hungry, need food and drink or whatever. And I'm like, right, couldn't seem to find a way to find any. Couldn't seem to pick anything up. Wander around, bumping into things. I was like, ah, oh, do you know what? No, if you're making the making a game so obvious, so not, you know, if it's not not obvious, not necessarily obvious, but if it's not directly clear what you have to do in the first couple of screens, and you go, you have to wander around to try and pick that up. You're not, you're going to lose me as a as a as a player for this game. So no, 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 no. Mad Doctor, no, not for me. No, dull. no. Might be for yeah. someone though. It might be, but nine quid. Oof. No, 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 no. Ridiculous. <laughs> Terrible. So oh well. Uh, yeah, that's it really. That was that was the game. So that's that's our games for this part, uh, and our games for this episode. Uh, what have we looked at before we move into uh, crapverts? Actually, no, no, no. Let's do crapverts first. Let's do crapverts first. What we got? Because we like our crapverts, and really, I could do with a good crapvert after uh, after those games. <laughs> yeah, you need one. Uh, I feel like going for a real good crapvert. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got, we've got a couple here to look at. Um, our first one: schizophrenia. Yeah, so it's always good to have from- a jovial advert about <laughs> mental mental condition, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Oh, how to be in two minds about paranoia. <laughs> oh, oh, the laughs write themselves, health. don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although schizophrenia is written with an F. I think it's a PH bit. But anyway. So Spectrum Commodore. I mean, the... the, the, the so the, this is a... There's a there's a guy who's t- taking the top of his head off and there's another guy inside while in the background. I don't know what those things are. But if you <laughs> noticed, right, his name his name is Alphonse T. Nerd. Alphonse right, T. But, Nerd, but yeah. You, you look at the blurb that's on that advert and tell me that that isn't the most overwordy blurb for four, for four short sentences. <laughs> His alter ego has discovered the meaning of independence. If you discover the secrets of subatomic particle separators and clean lifts, this is the game for you. The puzzle of a lifetime or two. So do you know what I bet this <sighs> game is? I mean, without playing and remembering it, I'm willing to put money on that uh, this is kind of that you've got a two, you split into two and you, it, one person yeah. has to press the on button at the bottom. And, you know, a bit like in some of those levels in... Um, in um, 
Oh, there's a number of games that do it, aren't there? Where is it? I think God of Goonies. War. God of Goonies. War does it, I think, later down the line, where you split it to two. I know that they. Yeah, there's, yeah, a number, there's loads, of, loads of games. Yeah. You, yeah, Goonies does it. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be one of those. Um, it is. And the, the little graphic screen there looks a bit like um, sort of a blocky Mission Impossible. So there's probably vibes, but yeah. lifts and schizophrenia and mental paranoia and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that sells it to me, that game. And that, that advert's plain old weird. But this is another thing of the one that is like we said about Hunchback and the predominance of Hunchy and Quasimodo and Hunchback at the Olympics and stuff. It was, the 80s was just a time where it was like, you know, yeah, you got a disability. <laughs> We're going to make a game out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, not only has he got a split personality, but look at the size of his uh, ring finger on that. Ad- he's massive. <laughs> he's got a massive finger. I mean, that finger is huge. His little finger's bigger, bigger, as big as a, you know, a, a, his fingers are disproportionate. And those are some, I mean, are his palms hairy or is that just, is that bad just shading. shading? It's bad shading. Bad, it's bad but, shading, I think. But, why, uh, why, is he dressed, got, why is he dressed? Why is he dressed to the nines? It's formal you know, he's dinner, got, yeah. Formal he's going dinner. to a formal dinner while in the background. What is what are it's like a tape player or sort of an ornate tape player? And why are lifts floating in the in it? What's going on? I don't know. It's kind of a and look at that Quicksilver logo. That doesn't shout nineteen eighty five at you. I don't know what else does. Look at it. It's yeah. sharp, it's angular. They look like the levels from that um mobile game where you've got to um chop the bits <laughs> off with a samurai sword. I can't remember it's called, but um you know, for, there's so for, much so much there's so much bevel going on. That is heavy on the bevel, isn't it? That and it's got that Robocop. It's like Robocop style writing. You know, it's, that, yes. it's the same colour scheme as Robocop. But no, I've got a feeling that, that that game looks like is it elevator action. Yes, there is a little bit of a. Well, it's got enormous amount of elevators on strings. It seems on the um, like, uh, like floating it. around the background. So I do like as well at the bottom. This is quite a nice sort of side of the times. Available from all good software shop, but in case of difficulty, <laughs> right to. <laughs> And what it's got kind of difficulty? Yeah. No. What? I mean, who would buy a game called Schizophrenia? Anyway, I suppose it is a play on it, you know. But any, any, anything was game for a, you know, anything was uh, worthy of a. I know. Did they uh, do a series of then. these games based on sort of you know mental anguish? So sk- sk- good old Schizophrenia was followed up with you know another mental, di- mentally uh, challenged idea. Bipolar. You know, OCD, the game. You know, just it's just weird. But you could get away with stuff like that in the eighties. I don't think you'd get away with it now. I think I'd, maybe you would. No, I don't, know, I don't think. I don't think. You I don't I, I, you, I don't see iTunes, you know, or Apple, the Apple Store being able to sort of say, we've got trouble with the title of your game and the, the premise of it because it does feel like you're taking the mickey out of people with, with bad mental health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mental health issues, sort of thing. So, not good. But, okay, so no. schizophrenia is a, an odd one, sort of thing. But I don't think it prepares us for our next crap verb. <laughs> Um, which oh is uh, okay. So the the next one is a real mishmash. It's a real. They've gone whole hog on this. There's, they've not hold back. The game is called Souls of Darkon. Um, <laughs> there is so much on this page, um, and obviously you can go look at all these. And I do, you know, if you are listening to this, go look at the website. Is that for the past.com. Go to the Crapvert section. You can find all these there, um, and it is worth a look at these, um, especially this one. You don't look at any others. Don't care. Look at this one um, mm. because I, pff, where to start? Let's see. Do, do we just work our way down? <laughs> I think you have to. So much is wrong with this. It, it beggars belief, really. Yeah, it does. So, so it's so Souls of Dark. Okay, it's got that's the that's the title of this game. I don't know why. So it's in two different fonts. Souls of is one font cut um, out from a newspaper by the look of it. By the look of it, yes, it's cut out from something and just overlaid onto this because it's you know it's red writing with a white background and. Not even like cut out the middles of the O's. Yeah, no, that's um, that's, that's so that's that ain't not no, great. That ain't no stroke they put on that. That ain't a stroke. That's uh, that's been badly cut out. Yeah. So they put that on there, and then we've got the word dark on. Go for it, Graham. You do you know you're you're a typeface man. 
that is a uh, that's a, <laughs> a gradient at the top and some kind of gradient at the bottom. They've, they, there's a lot of that kind of effect, sort of a blue to sort of that brownish gradient. Look, yeah, so you get that kind of sky to dark landscape. To there's loads of games and, and titles that that have that kind of graphic. But I mean, fair play to them. There's no border on that text and there's no bevel. Ironically, it could probably build something to separate it from that background a little bit because it kind of blends in. It, but it looks to me like it's been cut out with a pair of scissors. Uh, look, yeah, look, this... look inside that O. It, that O is not. It's, it's not. It's been cut out with a, with a sharp Stanley knife or this, something that has. This does look like it's been constructed on a on a page where somebody's I'm done no this, doubt about done it. the paint where someone's done the painting and someone's done some text and they've just cut it out and laid it on top and then, that'll do. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. Because because under the text, okay, so Souls of Darkon is is bad enough. We've got then then we've got the only be described as the top half of a really angry floating minotaur. Yes, that's um, a minotaur-ish. With a massive massive mouse. Now, I'm, I can only be assumed he's really angry because he's got no hand. Or eyes. Or, well, I, yeah, because they're kind of covered up with the hair. I don't know what it is, it, you know... It, uh, it, but the hands are really worrying. It's like he's got, it's like he's got glove puppets on. Well, it looks like he, it looks like a really upset rocker who's missed a Metallica concert. <laughs> it looks like a, a member of Man of War. <laughs> yeah, he's got no hands, so you know, he's got, so a, he he's got a spike. He's obviously the singer. He can't play the guitar with those fingers because he's got no, no fingers. No, he's got um, a spike on one hand and he's and a knob on the other. He's got, he's got, no, yeah, he's, got it, he's got one nipple. He might be able to play the steel drum. Yes, um, not that Man of War were replete with steel. Drums. <laughs> I don't remember them ever <laughs> venturing into that, so, no. that prog rock territory so, right there. So this is this this floating. So the, the whole background of the whole pay sort of thing is a sort of gradient central fill. So it's dark yes. at the edge of a sort of darkish bluish thing that goes to a white in the middle, but you know center. So it's a circle going yeah. outwards. So this this uh, this minotaur seems to be floating in the middle. What's that gray blur as well? It's coming out of his mouth to the right. Is it more here? It's, um, it's, it's, it's sort of he's sort of floating in the middle of this white thing. Okay, so. Okay, at this point, it's kind of some kind of fantasy nonsense. Souls of Dark on a right, and then beneath that, there is a crossed sword and an axe. Is that a sword? I thought that was a like a, a magic it's a sword. wand. It's got a hilt. Oh, it is a it's sword! Got, My God, I didn't even see that. Yeah, oh, it's got a hilt oh, yeah. with a, with a, with a star on, so there's a, which would make that hilt really uncomfortable to wield. Yeah, and it's really um, small. You got to have small hands to wield that sword. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's made for that minotaur. Um, yeah, could be. And then there's the, the the act with the moon on it, sort of thing. And that, okay, so far so fancy and, and pretty bad sort of thing. Then we get to the droids. <laughs> <laughs> which I am guessing is probably not the sentence you thought was coming next. Um, no. Because there are two droids at the bottom. One there is are. circular, like bowing, or sort of praising the floating minotaur, whilst the other looks like clamps from Futurama. He's, yes. sort of pointing his, he's pointing his pointy thing at you with one arm, and he's looking straight at you, and he's also wearing a, a really big monocle, and uh, and just looking straight at the, the advert. I, I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out what this game is. No. Um, and I, there's no screenshot, so we don't know. I, I honestly do not know there's so much going on in this advert as, as a as a whole it's almost you can look at any one section of it and get a different game it makes me very uneasy when it simply <laughs> says a text adventure with graphics because that's very loosely describing anything in it you know any game could be described as that really it's just what is it it's yeah. a text adventure with graphics what kind of graphics do i haven't really drawn them yet it's got a, some kind of flying minotaur that attacks robots <laughs> with a with a giant axe possibly Maybe. why is the a robot got a monocle we don't know the answer to that. why is it wearing a tunic we don't know why has he got <laughs> like, some kind of well, uh, is, isn't it? hose pipe yeah. <laughs> we don't, don't know, know. Oh, it's a, I don't know. 
There's so much. I suppose this is the best game design that's ever come out of Bridlington. Um, <laughs> I'd still like the task set logo at the bottom, which uses the same cutout technique yes. as Souls of. So, you know, at least they've kept it thematically similar in that. But, you know, next time, get someone professional to cut that out. Don't just oh. use it, you know, don't use a, a craft knife uh, <laughs> because uh, you never, and just cut out the, if you're going to do it, cut out the centres of the O's, the E's and the A's, you know, things like that. Just little details make it. No, little details. But, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's all about the, the little thought. There's no clue as to what direction that game could be. Are you playing a giant minotaur? Is that who you're fighting? Do you play the robots? Who knows what that's about? Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember any robots in ancient Greek myth. I don't remember ever coming across Souls of Darkon ever. So I wonder if people come across it sometime. Oh, I don't know. If it's a text we adventure, can... probably not. We're not really looking at adventures, are we? No, thankfully not. So it's a text we... adventure with graphics. Remember, it's got graphics, whatever they oh, may be. You know what that's going to mean? It's just going to be really slow drawn visuals on it. Well, no, I don't, it, you know, I, I'm expecting not great. So. No. But anyway, Souls of Darkon, it's worth a look. Go have a look because your mind could try You could try and work it out because I, I honestly can't. So that that's our crap verts. Yeah, we, we've got some more coming up in the next part, which are equally as bewildering. But I think that, that'll do for this part, I think. That'll do. So that was... That w- that was part one. Um, we have looked at what have we looked at today. We've looked at Monty on the Run, which we liked. We looked at Speaking, which was eh. Super Zaxxon, Shoot 'em Up. We've looked at Nodes of Yes on Rocket Roger, Voltron, and Mad Doctor, uh, a smuggler's board from Good to Bad. With uh, obviously the standout being the music from Monty on the Run, probably which is the thing we like the most. So there we go. That is that is that. That is part one of uh, episode six. Um, coming up in part two. We will be looking at games such as Byron McGuigan's World Championship Boxing. We will be looking at Silu. We will be looking at Vegan Attack. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we'll be looking at uh, Tour de France. And we will be looking, among others, uh, at Dickie's Diamonds, um, which, to my disappointment, was not a World of Sports spin-off. <laughs> Um, so we'll find out all about that next issue, uh, next episode. So stay with us. Come back next week to hear our reviews of them. Uh, more crap birds. We'll look at films and TV from October 85. Um, and that's that. I've been Adrian Mills. You've been Graham Raddings. You have indeed. Um, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine, published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love the Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.